Hey, dance fam, it's Shatay here with The Working Dancer, and I have a very special guest this week, Miss Ma Molly Mahoney of The Prepared Performer, who was a performer in the very first national tour of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and she was a featured dancer on, drumroll please, da -da 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 -da, Gilmore Girls, da -da -da -da. <laughs> and a funny story, Molly and I met on the internet. We met um, on Facebook, and I checked out her stuff, and I feel like we're kindred spirits because she has all this awesome stuff um, about not being a starving artist and, you know, living your dreams and being an awesome performer that you are. And we connected, and she's awesome, and I wanted to share her with you guys. So here she is, Molly. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad we were able to finally make time to do this. We've been doing this for, like, months. Like, <laughs> Crazy. Like of a business person and a performer, I completely understand. How have you been? I'm amazing. And I, another thing, you know, since even though we met online, it's cool that we also got to see each other in person in August. We did. Um, we saw each other like this, like hug and rub. <laughs> <laughs> this is really cool. I love right. that Facebook allows us to do stuff like that. Right. It's easy. I love that. I love that. So you want to just jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so tell me how you got started with performing. Wait, can you I tell you first? Wait, so even though dancer fam, right? So we've been doing like interviewing all these dancers. Molly is a triple threat, right? So she does. She's a vocal coach. She's saying I have my piano like right there. Right, nice. <laughs> and she acts as well. So she can um, definitely speak to those of you who have strengths and other disciplines so listen up to what she has to say now back and to, to those of you who think you don't have strengths and other disciplines because i have a few students now actually who are full-on dance majors either at uh you know, locally here at Chapman University, which has an awesome dance department, but some of them have wised up to the fact that if they want to really work professionally, one way to be able to do that is this crazy world of musical theater. And so working through their fears to realize they do have a voice and that um, in addition to the voice of their body, <laughs> right? And putting that out there has been really cool, so. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I just wrote an article and I mentioned that like if you want to stay paid you have to be able to do other things and yeah. so if you need help you should hire Molly to be your vocal coach how about that oh. <laughs> okay so how'd you get started in performing yeah I mean I did you know dance when I was a little kid like you know little whatever tap melee and stuff and yeah. then when I was eight I started taking musical theater classes at a place called the music room school of performing arts and the rest was history and I just did musical theater my whole life growing up I was a theater and dance major at Chapman University and then started working at mus local musical theater spots. And then I planned on moving to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. My plan was to, I don't think I've told you this, to like live in the woods. And <laughs> had a really awesome dance company there. I had a few friends who had worked there. But right before then, my first dance, dance teacher her husband was doing the sound for this big show in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So she was like, would you like to go audition for this Vegas show? So I said, Jackson Hole, Vegas. So for <laughs> <laughs> this crazy thing in Vegas, they were called Bevertainers. I have a very G-rated brand now, and most people don't know that I was actually a Bevertainer. Like cocktails and like... Yeah, yes. so we served cocktails. My first shift was from 10 p.m. till 6 a.m., oh which God. is crazy. But it was in the main part of the casino, so anyone could come by. So there'd right. be, like, little kids walking, you know, it didn't really matter. So it wasn't, like, inappropriate, but it sounds, you know, <laughs> for my right. own. 
but um but it was awesome I was there for six months and then they pulled me out of my contract there and put me on a cruise ship and I had done the LA thing so that's like when I did the Gilmore Girls was before that and while I was on the ship I really realized why am I pretending that I'm not a musical theater cheeseball so (laughs) I um when I moved back from from I was a featured singer on the ship actually so I didn't dance at all there but um I mean we did ensemble numbers and stuff but um yeah, so I moved back and I just decided if I want to do this, I've got to do it. And my heart really lies in musical theater. So I moved to New York and started, you know, I was there for a year and a half, auditioning like a crazy person, working at Ellen Stardust Diner as a singer, and then taking as much class as I could and auditioning as much as I could. And finally, I booked something. And then for five years straight, I just kept booking, 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 booking. So I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> So then did you, you always knew that you were going to pursue it for a career then? There was never, oh, I might do something else. You just always kind of knew from a young age? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm not one who had Broadway as my, you know, end all goal. It was just that I wanted to work as a performer. Okay. Um, in whatever way that was possible. And now, as you know, there's so many ways that that's possible, which I had no idea about because we didn't have internet and all of that. But really, I just wanted to work. I knew that singing and dancing was, you know, what was really like spreading joy. And then I've always been over the top, ah, you know, that kind of thing. And for a little while, I tried to dim that light. But once I really accepted the fact that that's where my natural source of goodness came from, and that's where I had the biggest impact on the world, and I fully committed to that, then that's when things were really awesome. <laughs> and I was kind of along the way as well. I, well, it just made me think of that. Like, you should absolutely never dim your light. But I enjoy reading some of your, um, like, emails or your posts, like, all of your epic fails and how you recover from them, from them. I love, first of all, that you're just so out loud about it and that you make, you know, no apologies. But I love the story about the the split at the end of audition and, like, your top is going off or something. And then the one I saw you talking about yourself, your camera falling in between your, your dress. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I was doing a video that was fully serious. And my phone fell and landed on a live video straight up my skirt and I was like ah! <laughs> luckily I had tool I had like a crinoline skirt on underneath my dress because I have kind of a retro flare so I had crinoline there <laughs> but it is not how you fall it's how you get up I was at a mission for the Broadway company of South Pacific and my top ripped like on <laughs> naked to the whole room I almost died but I kept going and like Ta-da! I just went straight to the splits at the end. I love that. Using that as a really great way to connect with the casting director. (laughs) I love that because so many people were so like, you know, in in our heads and just scared and it's the end of the world. And I just love that you're out loud. Okay, so you kind (laughs) of always knew. It was kind of always in the works. So then you already said it in your story a little bit. So your first action you feel like was a bachelor's degree. So yes, yeah. So I had my BFA and actually that's might be valuable to your peeps. I, um, I 
looked at a couple different schools and I decided not to go to school for musical theater, even though musical theater was what my focus had been. Mm-hmm. I wanted a more well-rounded, you know, I, so I did classical theater and classical dance. I had a combination major between the two of them. And then even though voice, like singing was the thing that I really did more than any of that, I studied voice privately. Um, think, you know, with the intention of getting a more well-rounded liberal arts kind of all-inclusive. Right. And I think one of the best things that I got from Chapman was actually the meditation retreat that I went on as part of a course. <laughs> so, cool. you know, for me, having that liberal arts degree, I think helped me to grow as a human. Mm-hmm. I, I wish, as you know, that we had had more business training. Looking back on it now, I don't know if someone could have convinced me at the time. But looking back on it now, I wish there had been more of a business aspect to my degree. Because as a performer, as a dancer, you are running a business. Yeah. Jay tells you, you know, as you know. So that's, but, but I do think have, I, I was really young at 18. Mm-hmm. I, having that experience, the college experience was really good for me. I, I think it's important. It's very smart of you. I don't know what, where you thought to do this, but it's smart of you to do theater and dance, even though your strong suit was yeah you know what i mean because a lot of people especially dancers you know they kind of stick with what they know and then they they just live there you know right you have more chances to work when you do other things was that something that you just knew to do on your own or i mean did someone advise you or i'm gonna be super honest with you right now Uh i think part of it was because i was scared Mm. because and chapman was a quote was close and i had some teachers that taught there already i the only other place i looked at was uh, yeah, Boston Conservatory. Mm-hmm. I think it was too much for me to move like that. And I wonder now if it would have been better if I had gone straight into musical theater at that point. But like I said, it did give me a really well-rounded, uh, you know, well-rounded basis. And everything that I do as a business coach now goes back to a lot of those theater fundamentals. I don't know if I, I have a book that I wrote called Performance Power, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is based in the Stanislavski stuff, which I never would have gotten if I had done, you know, some, a, a different path. Right. So, even though I think it some of it came from fear, I think that it was, in the long run, a, long run, a really great way to get a well-rounded approach right so i think that's cool yeah <laughs> nice i love that so we we hear how you got started right then you went to um you said you were planning to move to the backwoods <laughs> um, so then let's fast forward you mentioned you booked something and then all of a sudden you were booking other things so would you call that you wouldn't call Bev Retainer your, your big break, right? So maybe, um, and maybe I mean, I, I think it was a huge part of my career, you know, a huge for me career-wise, because that was really, you know, I had done some some other musical theater things around here. I, um, I did a production of The Wizard of Oz as, you know, a window munchkin and a puppy <laughs> in a red, green unitard. But, <laughs> but in which that, I think The Wizard of Oz, the production of The Wizard of Oz that I did was my first... That was before um, Bevertainer land. But that, that was my first thing where I was able to get points towards my equity card. And I worked with a really amazing director who's now in Minneapolis named Jamie Rocco. And he does stuff at the Ordway now. And he proved to be such a great resource 
for me mm-hmm. professionally. I ended up doing a show later with him after getting back from my cruise ship gig where I got my equity card and um, my room, my first roommate in New York, I met doing that show. So a lot of people that I met and that ended up being very instrumental in my success as a working performer came from that first ensemble track in the Wizard of Oz. Nice. So nice. <laughs> would you say you had a big break then or would you just feel like you feel like your career just kind of built one thing from the next? You know, I was thinking about that idea recently and all of those moments when you get cast felt like a big break. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's like the next, the, that it becomes normal because I remember that year and a half that I went without working at all. It was like, what on earth is happening and going to audition after audition after audition. And you're so tempted to give up, but you know, this is just what you do. So you keep mm-hmm. doing it, keep doing it. And I remember when I first got cast at the Fireside Dinner Theater in Wisconsin, um, I ended up doing seven more shows there. I met my husband there. I, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I didn't think, okay, this audition in Wisconsin is the one that's going to make it. You know? <laughs> right. But that ended up completely changing my life. And so it's just being open to those opportunities. And then when I got the national tour of Chitty, I had already done seven shows in Wisconsin. I had done a bunch of shows in, uh, St. Louis at Stages St. Louis, which was awesome. Different regional theaters. And then I remember so specifically getting the call about that national tour. So that was really the longest, um, you know, biggest deal for me. Nice. But all along the way, it was just wanting to work. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So then do you feel like, or tell me about what you feel like your biggest challenge was pursuing a performance career and then how you overcame that. Yeah, so it's just a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think back to, you have to find that day job and the thing to be like the financial aspect of it and managing it all and really treating it like it's a career and staying positive, right? making sure that you just trust and having, you know, okay. So there was a big shift that happened for me when I was non-equity mm-hmm. and I don't know if I've told you this story before, but I was non-equity and I was at an audition and you know, when you're not, I had my EMC, so it'd be, it's a little different now, but I was uh, sitting in this long, narrow hallway, not being able to go into the audition room and just waiting. Sometimes you'd wait like eight hours. And I went up to the woman at the front desk and I said, Hi, I'm looking for the restroom. Like, could you tell me where the restroom is? And she just like, do you have your equity card? And I said, I said, and I was all dressed up, my tap shoes in my bag, you know. <laughs> and I said, um, no, I don't. But I'm here for the audition. I'm just waiting till they see non-equity members. And she said, you can go downstairs and around the corner and use the McDonald's in Times Square. No. And I I had this moment where I was like. You have got to be kidding me. Like, I can't even be in the building. <laughs> like, what? Oh my gosh. And no. it, since, since then, the building has changed and they have a really nice lounge or like a coffee shop and all this stuff. But at the time, they didn't. And I remember turning around and looking at all of these girls who were all like, you know, everybody's just sitting there waiting, looking up at me. And I was like, what on earth am I doing with my wife? Like, this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I go downstairs, I use the bathroom there, I come back up and I miss, who knows, they take everybody in. Like, so I just decided this audition today is not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, well, I remember walking home and on that walk home, I remember really clearly realizing that I had been going into these auditions trying to please someone else. Oh, 
And that's going to get you nowhere. <laughs> right? And so like, what is it that's going to allow me to have the stamina and the positivity that I can keep doing this? And what I realized is I needed to go into those auditions and just celebrate who I was. Nice. Of whether or not they wanted it. I love that. And I wish I had had a moment like that. that <laughs> realization when I was, I, I take that back. I did have one moment. I was auditioning for some film. I can't remember what it was. And it wasn't even a major dance film, but the beginning of it had like a little snippet, little dance yeah. person. Choreographer is very well respected. Um, I think it was Tropic Thunder and I think Marguerite Derricks, right? So you had to go in and you just kind of had to do, it's supposed to be comedic, like booty twerking stuff, right? <laughs> and even though I had danced that way in college, like for fun, for some reason, it just felt kind of uncomfortable for me. You know what I mean? But I did it anyways. Yeah. And um, there was one dancer who decided not to. So even though she came and she waited, she left and she didn't do it yeah. and then afterwards she was kind of like you know what you guys did a really good job this just wasn't for me and i remember thinking i i i, I didn't know i had that choice like i didn't realize i had that choice and I, next time i'm going to choose what feels most comfortable for me yeah and not just going out for the next job even though i would have loved to work with that choreographer i love her work right yeah but maybe that specific project wasn't for me. And I don't think I gave it my full 100% because I wasn't, you know what I mean? My heart. Yeah, yeah, and it's so tricky because I remember one of my really good friends, Alicia Umfris, who's now has like done so much and she she's amazing. And she, she was um, the cab driver and on the town on Broadway, she's ridiculous. But I remember talking to her about it at the time and she, didn't go to every audition and I went to every single audition ever and Alicia knew what her type was she knew what she was really right for and she was very strategic in picking the right auditions now and Alicia and I are very different type wise but I think I, I wonder what it would have been like if I had done been a little more strategic with it because my only strategy was hurl yourself at every wall. <laughs> yeah, me too. But what I'm hearing from you is that you already knew your worth so early on. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think I was still kind of trying to figure out what my worth was. To yeah. me. Not, not in a like self-confidence kind of way, but you know, what I'm willing to put up with and what I'm not, or what I'm willing to put myself out there for and what I'm not. And it sounds like yeah. you kind of, you figured that out, which is, yeah. which is great. And how to make that shift so that you have fun when you're going to auditions and it can't yeah. without and be successful at the same time. And I always, this is what I teach all of my clients and my students now is that everyone has something that makes them uniquely awesome as a human being. Right. So forget what you are, forget that you can kick your face, forget that you can like do the worm. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> what makes you uniquely awesome as a human. Mm -hmm. Everyone has something, even if it's just that you make an amazing quesadilla. <laughs> I've heard you say that, your quesadilla, yeah. You have to connect with your quesadilla of awesome. And before you go into an audition, like have a list of the 20 things that make you an awesome human being. And that you'll go into there thinking about like, I make some mean Brussels sprouts or whatever it is. <laughs> you know? um, I love that. And it's been so helpful helping others to come to that realization, but also for myself when I go into a networking meeting or coming onto a, an event like, you know, a thing like this. Yeah. Knowing that you have things as a human that make you awesome. And that will be way more attractive because everybody's talented. <laughs> like, 
I used to go in and try and just like belt cues all the time, but for the most part, a lot of female singers can belt cues. Who cares? Like belt your cue, but really show what makes you unique. I love that. I love yeah. that. So then how did you, how did the prepared performer come about? So I, when I was on tour with Chitty, my husband and I got engaged mm -hmm. and, um, and everyone was going back to unemployment. <laughs> Literally every single person in the cast like friends who had done 14 Broadway shows were all going back to unemployment. Yeah. And I, and not, and not in a bad way. I mean, amazing that we have that ability as artists, right. right? It's totally normal. It wasn't like everybody was a failure. It was just, we had been on tour for nine years, nine years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? And I sold, I had sold a couple of patterns to Red Heart Yarn crochet patterns because while I was on tour, what I did to keep busy was I would sell crocheted amazingness. And, uh, I was like a yarn store junkie. <laughs> I had a trunk on tour that had, you know, their clothes in it. Mine had just yarn. <laughs> but, uh, and now, yeah, whatever. Okay, so I, my plan was I wanted to open a dance studio called Kick In Knit. <laughs> Kick In It. And that was my 10 year plan. And I remember really specifically having this talk with my friend Liz Wardland, who's done so many Broadway shows, and she was the Baroness on our tour, and she was an amazing knitter. She was such a great friend to me at the time, and she's so amazing. And I was like, I, I, if we want to have kids and we want to do this, I had been teaching with a company called Broadway Connections. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. If anyone is on tour, it's a great company to connect with because you can teach all over the country as you're on tour. Definitely going to hook them up with that. Nice. Yeah, it was super cool. And so then kids would come and I'd do a master class at their studio and then they'd come see the show and I'd give them a backstage tour. And I loved teaching so much. I never felt like I was settling as a teacher. I felt like I was sharing everything that made me so happy and successful. Right. And, and so, yeah, so I, I was like, I, you know, this is the time if we want to have kids, we have a really amazing 400 square foot apartment in New York, but kids and I don't know. So, um, my husband and I, who, he was a professional musician. That's all he did was play bass. And we decided to move to California and focus on teaching and that kind of stuff for a little bit. And then maybe go back to performing after we got settled and all of that. And the main thing that I realized when I started teaching at different studios is that people didn't know the business side of the business. And I know you and I have spoken so much about that, but there's a huge gap missing in that. Yeah. Performers spend so much money and so much time learning their technique, buying their Leducas, you know, all this stuff, but they don't set aside the time or the investment to help them to be able to treat their career as the business that it is. Or why don't we, why isn't that put into the cur curriculum that we're learning when we spend I mean, technique? Why isn't anyone saying, you know, yes, learn how to batma and learn your form, but at the same time, it's about absolutely maddening. Okay, I know. I keep going. Go, go ahead. <laughs> it's ridiculous, actually. And I, and I, you know, there's been so many times where, oh, I almost, you almost just went on my skirt again. <laughs> There's been so many times where I've been really angry about it and really bitter about it. And then I start to think, okay, the internet was not what it was then. So for the most part, I don't think a lot of our professors really know. <laughs> Which, like, I'm super grateful for what I learned from my professors. And some of them were working and still are working, but the world has changed. Yeah. And there are a million ways to make money as an artist, and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. And you can use 
what you have as an artist is valuable and you can package it in a way where people will pay you for it because it is valuable. Right, right. And um, it's, so I, a lot of schools are starting to do more of an entrepreneurship type thing, which is really cool. I have a good friend who was my dance teacher at Chapman. She was the head of the dance department and now she's at Cal State Long Beach and right. she is the dean of the whole arts department, which is crazy. And they're starting an entrepreneurship thing there, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're combining business majors with artists to help oh them to do gosh. something. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, there's so much that in that world of that. So that's why I started The Prepared Performer. Is that I, you know, the, I don't know if you know the book, The Organized Actor. No. There are so many tips in that that I did not know before moving to New York, even just about writing down, like keeping an audition tracker. I have this really awesome, which I can send to you if you want to share. Yeah. Cool um, PDF that I use for my students that's an audition tracker where they write down everyone who was in the room, everything that happened right when they leave. Like you don't go home and do it. You do it right when you leave. You can do it on Google Docs. It's super mm -hmm. easy. And then you'll know who the casting director was when you're tough ripped open at your audition. So the next time you say it, you can be like, I'm the girl who's top ripped open. But you know, it's hard for us to remember all that stuff. Imagine how it is for them. So just to keep track of what you've learned, what you've done in an audition and what you wore, what you sang, what you danced to, it's a great way to continue that connection. Mm. Uh, yeah. So I just, I create, I listened to the smart passive income by Pat Flynn, which I know we've talked about him before too. And he, really opened my world to the idea that I could create this business online and help others to be able to share their goodness with the world. And so three years in, now it's like a full on, I'm just working for myself. I still get to perform. My husband and I have a band called Her Lucky Stars, and, um, a jazz band, and I'm not teaching at any studios anymore. I'm only teaching from home. And it's like amazing. <laughs> see, so see, she's living the dream, right guys? Right, so she's still performing. She um, is working for herself, right? And sharing her gift with the world. And she's and I a starving artist. No, and I still have friends who are like choreographed. I mean, I just had a call last week about, um, oh no, hold on. I got a notification. Go away, go away. Are you there? I'm here, I'm here. I just had a call last week about, I randomly after moving here, I did an episode of Cougar Town. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a weird dance montage where the guy who's bald on Cougar Town like woke up and had hair. Uh -huh. And he was like, hair, lots of hair, <laughs> dancing around in a nurse's uniform. And I like, scrubs and, and those rolly shoes, those bouncy shoes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still connected with people. And actually, now I'm connecting more with the people who actually are the decision makers because I'm using live video to put myself out there. I'm using a you know, I'm, I'm using social media to put myself out there and I've totally established myself as an authority nice. in the industry, which then helps me to get more performing jobs. I love that. I love that. So I love that you're doing what you want to do and that people can see that, right? So you have a clear model. One thought though, one question. Did yeah. you have, did you or do you have an agent for your performance? I, uh, for my, from while I was a performer? Yeah. Yeah, I did not. And that's something I wish I maybe I should have pursued more wholeheartedly you know and but the weird thing is now i have i'm connected with several agents because of this like anthony boyer with ddo has been so amazing at sharing mm -hmm. his wealth of knowledge with the prepared performer community and 
Um, we have this thing called Ask an Agent where people can submit a question and then I answer them through the prepared performer. And, or he answers them and then I read his answers. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've had students who are now represented by him, which I'm so grateful to have connected them with him. And it just was not, I mean, I went to a few like agent calls, but I didn't make it my goal. I just worked my butt off. <laughs> I think that's great too, to hear, because some people think that the only way that they can work commercially is to have an agent. Yeah. Um, and even though I had an agent when I was in LA, um, I was with MSA, but I think the bulk of my work came from maybe probably like 97%, probably all of <laughs> my work came from relationships that I had made or things I had yeah. made myself for. And like in that relationship thing, cause I've had some people ask me like, how do you network? How do you whatever? Like just be out there to celebrate the goodness of other people. Mm -hmm. Don't go into those relationships. Like with you, we weren't going into it like, how can you promote me? How can I, whatever. I think, you know, we reached out like, what can I do to support you in your business? We're doing similar and not seeing each other as a competition, right. but really seeing each other as, you know, we each have our own quesadilla recipes. So how can I help? We can open a Mexican restaurant together. <laughs> right. So like just celebrating, living in that space of celebrating others and not seeing it as a competition will eventually help you to get more work. I agree because you know what, what's for you is for you, right? There's enough work to go around. There's enough everything to go around, right? And, and making sure you live in that place of abundance, that's what that mindset, that's where all of that will come from. Absolutely. And a lot of that, that happens a lot in performance careers, right? So no one's really helping each other out because everyone's competition. And, yeah. But really, you know, what I'm good for, you might not be good for and vice versa, right? So I can't really take what's inherently yours and you can't really take what's inherently mine. So I don't have to compete with you, right? You yes, in, yeah. So yeah, I think that's awesome. So how can people connect with you, Molly? The best way to connect with me right now is through Facebook. I am obsessed with Facebook Live. I think it is the most powerful tool in the entire world. At this point, I think in the past three months, I've brought in $3,500, no, wait, not $3,500, $35,000. Shut up, Molly Mahoney. No, it's like actually blown my mind. Within, I did the numbers within the two, first two and a half months, it was $20,000, thanks to Facebook Live. And you guys, this is after like failures. <laughs> like having things that have been like working my booty off to the end of my actual like throwing up. I was so tired. And <laughs> but really shifting and using Facebook Live as a way to provide value and connect with people. I think, yeah, it's, it's been the biggest life-changing business performing tool. Um, and not only in my business coaching and, you know, performance coaching, but also I do an event and we use it very strategically. I do a monthly um, Broadway themed open mic night. We use it very strategically with that. It's been amazing. So I have this free masterclass yes. for Live and how you can use Facebook Live as a performer. Um, and, and, and on the Prepared Performers Facebook page, if you go like and follow there, I'm real, I do a live broadcast three times a week. You can jump in and ask questions. I like share so much information. And keep in mind that a lot of that stuff, I'm speaking to business owners now, but you are a business owner. Yeah. As Absolutely. a performer. Mm -hmm. So the, all of the tips are, you know, there's a lot of performance tips as well, because that's kind of what I'm helping people to do is perform on camera. Mm -hmm. All really, really valuable for performers. So the, the link for the masterclass is masterclass.cameraconfidence.today. Okay. Yeah. We will uh, follow that up for you guys, by the way. 
Yeah, and then really just like following, like liking and, and um, making sure that you turn the notifications on on my Facebook page, which is The Prepared Performer. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I'm, there's so much value in there. I see okay. on there like all the times, like every time I turn on Facebook, there's Molly, Molly's live, Molly Mahoney's live, Molly Mahoney's live. <laughs> and I'm like, she is on fire. And I really <laughs> admire that. I need to get better with that because I'm such a, um, what's the word? I'm so laid back, right? And so yeah. generally speaking, in my personal life even, I don't feel like being bothered with social media. Like, I just want to sit down and like hang out. I know, I know, I know. And so I try to get- $5,000 is all I have to say. <laughs> so I really admire that. So I probably need to get my butt in one of your classes myself, actually. Mm. Just, you know, even just a master class is like a great, it's, it's so, the org- and right now is the time to do it because the organic outreach of Facebook Live is yeah. crazy. So I boost a lot of my posts now that I figured out a way that it works because I used to just like throw money at Facebook ads and was yeah. like, oh, I was gonna stick, but now I have it like long. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it's because here's why it's powerful. It is a way to have the best, the, the best way to increase your, you know, business or as a performer or whatever is to have a one-on-one relationship with someone, right? Like actually meet someone in real life. Mm-hmm. The second best way is to use this tool because if you're speaking on camera to, as if you're talking to one individual person who needs their problems solved, whether it's that you are a saxophone player and you inspire people by you know bringing them sweet tunes i don't know whatever like you you know you are as a performer you are helping to solve something in your audience's life whether you're inspiring them whether you're challenging them to think outside the box you know there's all sorts of things that you are bringing to the world Mm -hmm. and by offering that through facebook live it is like hundreds of people get to have that one-on-one conversation with you because when you're on the opposite side of that video you feel like you're having a one-on-one conversation with them Mm-hmm. But it helps you to create like a warm audience so that when you follow up with those people, they've already had a conversation with you. Mm, that's very smart. Aha. So you're going to have all of that access to Molly, right? Um, Molly Mahoney, wait, wait, facebook.com forward slash the prepare for performer. Yeah. All of her links. Don't even worry about it. You're going to have all of it. You get to check out her Facebook live masterclass, right? All of her goodness. <laughs> And if you need a vocal coach, a business coach, all of those things. Molly. Yeah, and for singing, I just that's like super easy to book. I do it all over the world. I have students in Australia, and it's just meetwithmolly.com. So that's like super easy to jump right. in. Right. So, ah! I'm so glad that we were able to finally yeah! make this happen. And I love that you've shared so candidly everything that you experienced in your performance career from being scared to your mishaps to how you started the prepare performer and i think you you you're adding incredible value to the working dancer community as well as to your own so thank you again so much molly for likewise i'm so glad we connected (laughs) you too um working dancers (laughs) until next time happy dancing folks bye hang on molly don't hang up